Let's go. Yo. Welcome back to Binge Town TV. This episode, I'm joined by B Toms, Paul, and producer Dave to chat episode seven of season two of The Boys, Butcher, Baker, Candlestick Maker. So we had some very ambitious statements in our group chat about this episode. So uh, do we mind sharing those with the audience, fellas? Yes, I think I was the first one to watch the the episode and I immediately texted craziest episode of the boys ever. And I still stand by that. What do we think? I think so. I think the ending sealed the deal on it being the craziest episode. Like it was just beautifully done. The ending to it. It's definitely up there for me. I think either this one or the plane episode from season one, Mm -hmm. those two are just like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, but I mean, absolute mayhem and I did not see it coming at all. Of course, in typical boys fashion. And it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I would say one of my favorite Frenchie scenes ever. Uh, we're getting a lot more of my baby girl, Congresswoman Newman. And of course the ending scene of the hearing was just fucking amazing. So I still think, I think Luke and I are on this train of thought and I maybe Paul too. I, I think last episode, was better than this one by you know a hair but this episode was incredible of course i'll agree with you i was just saying that before the pod um i think last episode was just a like a hair better than this one i think the last 15 minutes of this episode really carried it but still another top tier episode from the boys as if they aren't all top tier i mean that lamplighter reveal from last episode that was you know marinating since season one episode one so getting that reveal i mean it just was super super rewarding um so i i agree i think episode five a little bit better but still or yeah i'm sorry episode six still a little bit better than seven but still both phenomenal we might even get to it at some point but sean ashmore who plays lamplighter is fucking incredible he's such a good actor yeah i think all the especially the soups i just feel like they're all just incredibly well done at like they're all very good actors every single one of them they're a joy to watch all right, I guess we can get into it then. Yeah, we have a lot to get through to get to that <laughs> that big ending scene. So we start off with kind of this chubby looking nerdy guy. I thought immediately my head went to I thought this was the guy that's been cranking out the Stormfront memes, but I thought so too, based off all the superhero pictures and stuff he had in his room. Mm, and there's music going on. It's almost like a montage of this guy going through his daily routine, but in the background he is a big stormfront supporter he's watching her rallies that are going on this that and the other thing and it eventually escalates uh, we have this scene between him where he holds up a cashier at a corner store out of nowhere a cashier that he kind of sees on his daily routine and assumed was a soup because what it was was i think a car drove by and the headlights from the car flashed in the store clerk's eyes So the guy noticed it and immediately thought that this guy was a soup. And that's why he has him at gunpoint, which he's just screaming there. He's like, are you one of them? Are you one of those bulletproof motherfuckers? And the guy's like, no, like I have a family. He's like freaking out. And the trigger is pulled regardless. And he is not bulletproof. (laughs) What a wonderful world. (laughs) (laughs) The the song's choices have been definitely up from season one. I mean, this was insane. It was just a, a Stormfront super fan who thought he was being patriotic and, you know, doing the right thing because Stormfront is spewing all this propaganda 
Um, yeah. And it's actually had, is a hell of a drug. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I'm glad that you said he was a fan of Stormfront just because I couldn't tell because he shot someone claiming them to be a soup. So I thought he was against the soups. But it is also, yeah, you mentioned like he has all these Stormfront posters in his wall. So maybe he's just a diehard fan of her beliefs. Yeah. Right I mean, now. his whole thing is when he says, you're, are you one of them? He means, are you a super terrorist? Okay. Oh, that's right. right. He does. I think. Yeah. Call him like because I mean the whole terrorist. the whole news coverage is the the news coverage that's playing in the background is both Stormfront and I mean it's I don't know if it is Alex Jones exactly, but it's basically meant to be Alex Jones. <laughs> um, and Regardless. Stormfront saying things like you know I'm tired of waiting on for, you know for some executive to tell me what to do, like basically saying the government's inept, like <laughs> they're the left is rushing to judgment like super villain loving snowflakes like more will come for all we know these maniacs could be standing next to you mm-hmm. and when she says that he's standing in front of the store clerk and then he sees the flash in his eyes oh so, that's interesting right yeah that keep time, america that safe again worse yeah that timing yeah. could have been worse mm-hmm. the girl in the hallway won't recognize him yeah and i think it's also important to know just um one of the posters when this guy's like waking up for his routine every day uh, in the background, he has a poster of a superhero named soldier boy. And I think we already have confirmation that soldier boy will be a superhero. We get introduced to in next season. So just something to look out for you. (laughs) It's cool that they kind of give us soldier boy at the beginning of this season. And then they're going to introduce it in next season, kind of like lamplighter. Like it's a rewarding payoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something like, We've technically seen it before, so when they introduce it, it shouldn't be a big, like, well, it should be a big deal, but you know what I mean. And I think the whole point of this scene was just to paint the picture that, what am I trying to say, stresses are high in the country. It's very divisive, and people, you know, tensions are starting to escalate over this compound V problem that's going on wow i could not think of like eight words trying to get that (laughs) sentence out (laughs) you're right though thank you uh but are we good on that scene Mm -hmm. moving on we meet up with the boys and they are at mallory's really nice home actually with congresswoman newman is there lamplighters there so we have a nice squad of people hanging out at mallory's they're going over their plan for what lamplighter is going to say when he testifies at congress um, basically he's going to go in front of, you know, these in Congress and testify against Vought. So and he specifically Homelander as well. <laughs> so. He knows he's screwed. This is basically the end for him. Um, so he's all depressed and Newman comes over and talks to butcher and Mallory. And she's saying, you know, thank you. Basically, thank you for getting him. He's, He's gonna the the Jesus Christ. The defense is gonna have a field day with him, an ex soup that's basically hit rock bottom. In the seven, right. was in the seven as close as it can possibly be to all the details. But but like you know, he'll be a good witness, but it might not be enough. Yeah. And Butcher, you know, almost almost rightfully so, is like, what do you mean? Like if if this isn't enough, what is? Because that's an insane like it was, it took everything. Burn. He was on the seven first off, so he's very close to the situation, and he has literally been burning people alive for many, many years. And Butcher is just thinking to himself, "If this is not going to be enough, what do we have to do?" But Congresswoman Newman, you know, she's a politician. She's been around the block. She knows that they're really. What does she say? If you come at the king, you best not fucking miss. She says, 
we got to get these motherfuckers if we really want to get them. And Lamplighter might not be enough. So. Yeah, it's, it's that all they have is this one piece of. Well, I guess they have a few pieces of evidence, but like this is a big glaring one. But it seems like they need a, a little bit more to really secure the fact that they can take down Homelander. When yeah, she goes says off, that basically sorry. they know what's happening at Sage Grove, but they need to know why. Mm-hmm. And when Butcher goes off, says that Lisa Newman's assistant is like, "You're a felon. You're a wanted felon. Like basically, shut up. We don't need your opinion." And Newman was like, "No, Lisa, he's right." So I was like, "All right, Newman." I like, yeah, that. I fuck with her. Yeah. And also at the beginning of the scene when Lamplighter's like, like you know, it wasn't easy, and she's like, "Yeah, I guess we can all agree you're the fucking victim here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, tell him." <laughs> and, and we got MM being the mom and bandaging up Huey, and he's like, "Hold still, God, yeah. <laughs> love MM. Yeah, he's a beast. Good here, I think, right?" Yeah, we can move on. And next we get this. Ugh, I hate annie's mom but we get a scene between annie and her mother we learn that her mom never left new york she's been staying in a hotel and refuses to really leave the city until her and annie patch things up because they're still not on speaking terms annie's obviously still a little bit pissed at her she's offering her a coffee or like a unicorn frappe and he's like mom i don't want a fucking coffee let's sit down and take care of our shit and her mom, I guess we can refer to her as, does she have a first name? Mrs. January? Um, it is Donna. 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 Yeah. Okay. So Donna is just saying you've been under so much stress. We should take a vacation together. Just get away from it all. And she says, I already cleared it with them. And Annie, her eyes immediately go narrow. She's like, what, what do you mean them? Who did you clear it with? This is January says, I just got off the phone with Ashley an hour ago. Annie is thinking to herself, what are you doing? They could be tracking your calls. They've been looking for me. I'm wanted right now. And no sooner than Annie puts this together, we see a smoke grenade fly through the window. All of the regular humans are knocked out, which leaves Annie there a little bit discombobulated. And then she gets beat up by Noir. Oh, it was just even beat up. Just absolutely jumped beating the shit out of just yeah because what does he grab doesn't he have like a, a street sign or something it's like a street sign <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's just hitting her in the head until she goes unconscious her. yeah yeah the whole conversation between starlight and her mom starlight was coming out and saying you know there's so much shit going on in my life and i'm like right in the middle of it mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm exhausted basically she was she needs her second wind right kyle <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> so that, and then her mom was like, "When I'm like, yeah, she's such an idiot." I already called Ashley and cleared it. Like, I, well, I, I, I was gonna, I'm gonna make a case because I honestly, I do hate Mrs. January as well. But like, I guess I can understand where she's coming from. Like, she literally just wants to hash things out with her daughter. She doesn't know all this is going on that Starlight betrayed Vought. So she's literally just like, "Let's take a vacation." But I mean, that was still just a, a dumb decision. Like, she if just, you really wanted to get away from it all, you wouldn't tell someone that you're going to get away from it all. Her right? intentions were good, but yeah, not she's just dead weight for Starlight right now. Go back to Iowa or whatever and yeah. just be away from her because you are putting yourself in danger. Which yeah, that's putting, what I was just going to say. Which is putting Starlight out. It is very difficult for her 
to protect her mom on top of all the shit she's dealing with. So, and this uh, conversation, Starlight has a line that's the first in this episode of kind of an ongoing theme that we hear a lot of the character saying. She's saying, "Good guys don't win. The bad guys don't get punished. Basically, there's just like no justice." And every like she's sick of it, and she realizes that the real world, good guys don't win. Yeah, Annie's become pretty cynical since joining the boys. And I like it. I'm here for cynical Annie. Yeah, I like it. I mean, yeah, I don't fucking blame her. I guess woke Annie or something. She just <laughs> finally sees through the bullshit. And that's refreshing. Sheep. She's not a sheep anymore. No, sir. Good on that scene. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we get to the boys again at Mallory's house. And Mallory is sending Frenchie and Kimiko to watch over Congresswoman Newman because Frenchie knows that she could potentially be in danger since she's right in the middle of this whole bought feud. And Mallory looks at him in the eyes and says, and Serge, don't abandon your post this time. And that's just a nice callback. Oui, to the We, oui, madame. Yeah, that's just a nice callback to the lamplighter situation, obviously. And Huey is still bandaged up. He wants to go off with Butcher. I forget where Butcher's going, um, but they're um so at the the last scene we got here newman basically says you know we need the reason and mallory and butcher make eye contact or like we know a guy basically right 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 okay so, so huey was saying huey you know, wants to go with butcher and and butcher says no like you're too beat up still you're still recovering kick it with lamplighter and who yells <laughs> yells from the other room you guys want to watch deep does it in the blowhole <laughs> <laughs> he was like, like oh, no love it yeah he was like <laughs> i don't want to watch it no casually no. watching porn while the sun's out <laughs> the the fun fact associated with that scene is that um the deep wanted to star in the porno himself but still well wouldn't let him <laughs> of course that is like <laughs> so such, that is such an old like douchebag so deep funny. thing to be a part like want to be a part of yeah he, he said he heard when when they were making it he was like all right fuck it i want to be in it <laughs> that's incredible um, and then at the end of this scene, Butcher gets a call from his mom. Mumsy. She's saying she just landed. Butcher's like, you know, I told uh, Aunt Janet to tell you to not come. Plane tickets are expensive. And his mom eventually says, you know, Butcher, she's dead. I need to see you. And referring to his father, um, who Butcher's just only really asking, like, when did it happen? Like, he's obviously going through some emotions himself but last we we know of the relationship between him and his father that like right now and he clearly hates his dad so he doesn't want anything really to do with him yeah you can say you don't care but then when you hear the news exactly, that he dies, you can nobody can hold back those emotions he is interested when did it happen what you know he's going through the normal questions mm-hmm. and the mom essentially says billy i need to see you now i'm in new york i, I need to see you your dad just died and it but cuts the set. scene but yeah, yeah. it cuts, it the, cuts scene, the scene but, but we, we know he's probably gonna go see her correct and, and go ahead no i was just gonna say uh for the next scene but if you had no go ahead yeah. so uh we just real quickly get starlight waking up in the vault tower cell uh, there's no electricity going through so she can't use her powers and you know it's completely iron walls like, they say later i think it's like six feet of like reinforced yeah. steel so just soup no, proof yeah no it's way an anti suit yeah super. she's not getting out so yeah she's yelling let me out not happening and then we get the possibly my favorite scene <laughs> uh in, in the boys both seasons <laughs> we get uh 
a nice little view of Dave, what's it called? Homelander, red, white, and anal. Home banger. Home banger. <laughs> banger. Red, white, and anal. And we get our first glimpse at boobs, guys. We see some boobies. Yeah, we do. <laughs> first uh, time all season. Was, was I act like you've been there before, Dave. <laughs> yeah, true, true. We have we haven't been here. Um, the deep was was that the deep on was the deep the cuck there? Uh, or was no, that was just, just some, like some just random husband? For, for yeah. some reason, I thought it was the deep when it would um he has the line. Or he's like, hey, man, stop. It's not cool. And that's like what Deep was saying in the Church of the Collective promo video. To, to oh, like okay. all that other shit. But I don't think it was. Could it was just Sandra um, riding home banger. You know? Yeah. He said, hey, man, stop it. It's not cool. To which home banger replies, should have made her come, you snowflake cuck. Yeah, I, I was going to mention the snowflake cuck term. That was I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and Huey is like, come on, man. Why are you watching porn while the sun's up? Also has the porno itself has 500 million downloads, which is it's all of the United States and then some. So that's a lot of people watching. That's like insane numbers. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Unheard of. Popular video. Um, So this is really Lamplighter just kind of laying it out to Huey saying, you know, I wanted to make my dad proud. I was supposed to be a prodigy. Yeah. He's talking about his first time. Like he tr- like he used fire or whatever it was at the age of four, burned down his house, and his dad wasn't even mad. He was yeah. se- telling his son, like, I'm very proud of you. My son's a soup, all this stuff. And he's just – now he's kind of reflecting on now and how he's saying, look at me now. I'm sitting on the sidelines while the real heroes are out there doing the fuck. I believe he said now he looks like the cuck in the porno while the real heroes are doing the fucking. Yeah, that's the, that's the exact quote. And it was a really good quote at the time. And then uh, now it's Huey's turn to give his reasons on why he believes he's the cuck. You're not the cuck. I'm the cuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're both basically arguing that they're both cucks. And I mean, I get – from both their perspectives they are kind they of both cucks. feel pretty useless right now and especially yeah especially <laughs> since huey was literally just told given this easy task watch over lamplighter you can't help us you know they're both feeling literally like told right you're now. gonna be useless right now <laughs> huey has a line where he, he's talking to him and said you know why they told me to like babysit you and lamplighter looks at him and says because you're useless yeah <laughs> and then he's like no nah, yeah basically he's <laughs> admitting yeah <laughs> And then uh, when Huey says, I'm the cuck, Lamplighter looks at him and says, Warsh, you're the cuck fluffer. <laughs> yeah. Which, anybody who doesn't know what a fluffer is, that's what keeps the uh, the star aroused. <laughs> During the, the filming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well said, Paul. Well said. <laughs> that, we needed our, our sex uh, expert on this podcast, really. We're glad <laughs> and I mean, Lamplighter, speaking of sex experts, I mean, he is clearly like a sex addict. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And we I get mean, into it a Newman little bit more. Newman has the line. Yeah, true. Newman has the line true to earlier when she's like, the opposition will have a field day with him when she says, I'm pretty sure he's fucked half the Sacred Heart cheerleading squad. That's also, yeah, we forgot to mention that because Sacred Heart's actually, I think it's based in New York. It's a K through 12 all-girls school and yikes. Basically, from, yeah, yikes the high school cheerleading team. That's not Yeah, Lamplight is a fuck. So that also kind of leads us to believe that's the... Um, footage footage that they were talking about in the last episode that so, made grace mallier was showing lamplighter to blackmail him. correct blackmail i could i was literally thinking of the term couldn't think of it for <laughs> but yes that was it uh yeah and he's rattling off these uh different cinemas to him oh uh, yeah we <laughs> yeah. might as well list them out yeah we uh, <laughs> i forgot to mention earlier when he says anybody want to watch deep do it in the blowhole 
they cut to the camera and you hear one line. <laughs> it's just a deep and he's going, get ready to get wet. <laughs> oh my God. And he was like, do you want to watch Translucent and the Invisible Cock, Queen Maeve, Pleasure Slave, Big Black Noir, Starlight Pulls an A-Train. It's like, <laughs> they got one for every one of the seven. Hey man, different strokes. It's perfect. Different strokes, exactly. They got something for everybody. We good at uh, dissecting all the porn in that scene? I don't think I could <laughs> say any more than I <laughs> yeah, already said. Nice. <laughs> Moving on, we have the Homelander and Stormfront rally. And this is, I just got to say, I was, it kind of reminded me of like a Trump rally in in essence, if you will. Uh, it, you know, their speech aside, what they say, but it has Trump rally vibes. And they are saying, "Did you, Kyle? Did you write down any of the quotes? I I didn't really catch any of the quotes on that." Um, well, I'm just so like some of the signs catch your eye a little bit, just like the design and the things. Like some people are holding signs that say "The New War on Terror." Um, Lamplight, I mean not Lamplighter, sorry. Uh, Homelander had the one line that Homelander says that caught me a lot is, uh, "This used to be a beautiful country, one nation under God," which is just funny because he thinks he's a God and doesn't actually believe in the Christian yeah. God that that refers to. And he's um, yelling at the audience to agree with him. He was like, right. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, he, he starts off with our favorite, you know, yeah. you guys are the real heroes. <laughs> he was like, yeah, All that shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was- saying how like, um, super villains are going to bring us down into their mud, you know, talking about, they're talking about social justice warriors and all this stuff. Um, but one thing I did want to, uh, mention in the beginning of this, since we've already mentioned Soldier Boy a couple of times too, is that uh, the statue that they pan across in the beginning of the scene is the Soldier Boy statue. Hmm. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Oh, Square Park, yeah. Nice. So they're really hitting Soldier Boy hard with and, these little Easter eggs throughout the season. Yeah, and one other thing I wanted to touch on. This was actually something I read on GameSpot. I, I'm just going to read it for what it is off there. GameSpot, giving you the credit. Uh, Stormfront and Homelander use the phrase thoughts and prayers to condone the convenience store murder. The words have come to symbolize the right-wing tendency to feign empathy, often in the text of gun violence and mass shootings in particular, without actually doing anything. Thoughts and prayers aren't action, legislation, or charity, and they help no one. It's a deliberate, deliberate choice to have Stormfront and Homelander using this language here. So I really like the attention to detail the uh, directors or whoever's writing the script is, you know, they're really using, I guess, current... Uh, language and tendencies that people have nowadays and reflecting it into their world. So I thought that was a really cool addition they had there. Yeah, they say they make a donation to a charity. Which is exactly yeah. what you do nowadays. It's like yeah. you make a donation and you just... Thoughts and prayers. That, thoughts yeah, and thoughts and prayers. And it, it, most of the time, especially in today's society, it really doesn't do anything. Just gloss over it's it. Un- and- it's unfortunate, but that's really how it is today. So Especially, I mean, Stormfront is the one who says it. Yeah, it makes it that much worse. And the whole first scene that the the scene that causes the shooting to happen is her basically, you know, almost antagonizing this guy indirectly to do something like that. Yeah, she's calling for action. I don't know why. And then, you know, action's taken and she's like, ah, we don't condone it. So it's just like Mm -hmm. ridiculous. One other thing, this is actually we see Storm or. Stormfront and Homelander are publicly together. Like they're holding hands yeah. on stage, they kiss. Oh yeah, yeah. And that the was, crowd cheers and everything. That was pretty big. I'm surprised they didn't like take an, another scene to actually like emphasize like them coming out as a, a couple. But I mean, 
I guess at this point the public knew or like I guess this was them revealing it, but mm-hmm. either way, yeah. Basically they're just calling for more soups. We need more soups to fight these soup terrorists. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah that was more soups, more compound V. Yep, and that's the way they're gonna because we know already they're using the soups to actually create a white supremacy kind of world. So they're using this momentum of creating those soups, but giving it a different uh, reason as to why they're doing it. So just to make it the people more on board with it. Homelander with the most hypocritical line. He goes, all right, I've always been honest with you guys and you know that. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> look, we have a mole in the seven. Turns out starlight helped kill translucent my brother and goes wild of course yeah they're they're basically saying they caught her it cuts to huey who's staring at the tv in disbelief she's like i can't believe this to which it shows a tv (laughs) and kyle what was the uh superhero Uh, it's jack from jupiter jack from jupiter porn star edition <laughs> what did he, he just say? it's put them all in. I want them all in at the same time. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> That's one of the best smash cuts I've or tra- seen transitions or whatever. Scene transition I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so it was good. unbelievable. He was like, "All right, that's enough." Changes it to the rally. And that's when he actually does learn that Starlight is captured. It's time to go into action, baby. Huey starts getting dressed. He's like. He's asking Lamplighter, come with me. You have to help me. You know your way the around the Lamplighter building. hears it and immediately says, she's probably in 42D at Vault Tower. That's mm-hmm. the anti-soup room. So he... Or dead. Or dead. He's exactly. familiar with the building and at least knows where potentially she might be being held captive. Yeah. And Huey's he's definitely... He's been held there. Yeah. Huey is saying, they're going to... They destroyed your life and they're going to do the same thing to Starlight. We need to help her out. And Lamplighter's just saying, get your friends... You know, butcher, I mean, like referring to butcher and MM. Butcher's not picking up. Character has just like given up on caring about anything. And Huey's trying to rally the troops here. And he says, This is your last chance to be the hero. Come on. Do you want to be the cuck forever? Or do you want to be the guy who fucks the wife? Yeah. <laughs> and that puts a switch in Lamplighter. Yeah. He, he looks up. up. The porn <laughs> reference is the only way mm-hmm. to get to Lamplighter. <laughs> <laughs> Huey hits him with the, Yeah. Let's go fuck the wife. <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> Consensually. It's important. So good. I'm I'm glad we're out of the porn layer now. Yeah, because yeah. they were just sitting there it, watching yeah. porn. I love it. So moving on to the next scene, it is Butcher visiting his mom. And I, I knew right away that the dad wasn't dead and his mom was trying to pull a funny on him. But the mom's walking through the hotel that she's at takes him to the balcony and says now don't hate me leads him out to the balcony and his dad's there still alive mm-hmm. and well well yeah. not well but he's dying but and still alive butcher is pissed <laughs> he's he, not happy. he walks away and his mom says you know have i asked you for anything just do this one thing for me mm-hmm. yeah and he yeah. goes out and the first thing that dad says is what no hug <laughs> like get the fuck out of here yeah it's just butcher's gonna kick the shit out of his dad right here i was getting those vibes throughout the whole thing and then he eventually is like i guess they're talking back and forth about lenny and all this stuff and butcher that, just kind of is how, like you have you have two minutes to explain what you're doing basically yeah and they were going on he said have you been following the ashes which is like why do you want to talk about cricket right now he's like oh, i brought you to every game like you loved it the only reason i loved it is because you 
God, I wish I had the exact quote with his accent. It's like you, but you, you yeah. would just get pissed drunk with your mates, and I would have like free time to myself, just roaming, do whatever I want. Yeah, that's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I love how he like, and then his dad responds with, "Let's not do this," as if he wasn't the one who brought up fucking cricket and the ashes. Yeah, yeah. his dad's just a fucking absolute prick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole they they after they talk about you know the cricket bullshit and they start to dive into what they're really there for. Um, his dad's basically explaining to butcher of all people in the entire world that it's a shit world out there. Yeah. I was, he said that yeah. and I was like, it sounds like butcher something butcher would say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, why are you telling this to the man himself who basically, you know, birthed those words. <laughs> his dad is basically trying to defend the way that he raised butcher and Lenny by saying that, you know, it's a hard life, and like, he prepared them for that by basically being a fucking drunk asshole and beating the shit out of them. That he he's made like, them strong. Yeah, he, he like looks at Butcher and he's like, "Look at you, you're tougher than I ever was." Like all this stuff. Like, do you know anybody tougher than you? Yeah, and he's like trying to act all proud for Butcher, but this guy has been beating him and his uh, brother for years when they were kids, and Butcher was not having any chance, like any of it. And he was, and then his father starts talking about Lenny. He's like, "I didn't have a chance to say goodbye." and Butcher is fucking pissed. Butcher's like, say goodbye. You're the reason he's fucking dead. Yeah, like Butcher's thinking that in Butcher's mind, it's his father's abuse that drove Lenny to kill himself. But in his father's mind, it's Butcher who drove him to kill himself, which is just like, you're both you're both blind, but the father is definitely in the wrong here, 100%. Yeah. I mean, he, his whole thing is that Lenny was too weak. He couldn't handle it. Yeah, It was the sink or swim and he chose to sink. And we learn of how Lenny actually dies. I think this is the first time we hear that it was of suicide. He mm -hmm. held a gun to his mouth and pulled right. the trigger. So, And, and I then, was confused. Um, I'm sorry. I just talked to you a little bit there. But the, the order of... So is it Lenny dies and then Butcher goes to join the SAS? Or was Butcher away at the SAS when Lenny died? I think it was he was away on okay. SAS. So uh, that's uh, why his like, dad tries to tell butcher that he abandoned him for the sas so i think he oh, must okay, have left okay. before because okay. he couldn't abandon him after he's dead oh no no that's what i meant yeah he abandoned mm -hmm. before maybe right, not so. like to escape like i guess he was just escaping to it's, just it go. seemed like there might have been some truth to what the dad was saying that butcher Based to some extent there, abandoned him because that's why he got so pissed because i think it was a nugget nugget of truth how i read the situation is that the dad was definitely more at fault though yeah, we got we got the classic butcher stops walking and he smirks. And the last time he did that smirk was in the Halloween store when Huey shoved ah. him from shooting uh, Kimiko's brother. And he gets up, he does that smirk, and then he goes to Huey like he's going to kill him. This time we see that same exact smirk goes and chokes his father. Yep, basically tries to kill him. Great acting. He had the crazy eyes out and was breathing really heavy he he is so good at butcher it's mom comes out and breaks it up and jesus billy <laughs> yeah yeah she's not i don't know why she's defending him that's like something that confuses me like if you're like if you had married an asshole why are you gonna defend i guess okay tr i guess butcher was gonna murder him at that moment <laughs> yeah. so i understand yeah. that but like also your husband's a dick so come on she you know, knows that. We'll, we'll get find that out later. Yeah, I mean, she does admit we'll it. Yeah. Later. Did um, any of my uh, Lord of the Rings fans recognize who Butcher's dad is? Oh my gosh, is that the uh, the king of Gondor? Yeah, Denethor. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. high steward. Totally yeah, yeah. I, I saw it. I and I was like, he looks together. familiar, but he's just, I yeah. guess, so much. John older. Noble plays a he plays a mean, terrible dad. 
He's so much <laughs> yeah, seriously. older now. It's crazy. But uh, one other thing I wanted like, to reference oh, yeah. is just that uh, something that I really like about the boys show. I haven't read the comics, but I like how it branches a lot from the comics. It keeps the same storyline for the most part, but some things they tweak along the way. Like in the comics, Lenny's brother was killed uh, by a freak bus accident. Like he was just hit by a bus in a random accident. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't, it wasn't suicidal. So I like how the show is able to bring these different layers, referencing that onion again, baby. It's all these <laughs> uh, characters in the show and something, there's something that they're doing new that okay. is off the dome. I'm going to circle back to how we were confused with the order of events. Maybe they like found him with a gun in his mouth and like he abandoned him trying to work out his suicidal feelings. Would that make sense? I, I think it's still just better. Like maybe I, in yeah. my mind, I think the best way to think of it is just dad was an asshole butchers just trying to get away he left his brother to only like his brother was only dealing with his dad now and that drove his brother to kill himself so all right i'm down that's just what i believe but yeah yeah. to jump back one sec dave what you were saying about how they follow the comics but branch off a little bit kyle told us before that stormfront in the comics was a guy Mm -hmm. and so they changed it but now it's so crazy because they're together. It's like a full, like, yeah, Homelander and Stormfront have this blossoming, like, huge relationship. Yeah. And the comics never were there to explain it. And now this is the show taking over and developing that relationship. Well, no, I'm saying oh. Stormfront's a dude. Oh, yeah. In yeah, the yeah, comics. Yeah. They're, they're not together. Right. Like, this is a completely different yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see how it pans out in the comics. Yeah. Um, how their relationship is, is like man to man because I, f- like, yeah. do they still do that? Like, do they still want to take over I definitely the want world? to go back and, like, after the show is done, go back and read the comics. I yeah. think it'd be a fun experience. Mm-hmm. I'm good on that scene now, finally, personally. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a really emotional scene. Good one, too. Because that was the first time we meet his dad, correct? Yeah. So, And this sets him up for a bad mood for one of his later scenes. Yeah. Um, but the next one we get is Stormfront and Homelander. And they just get done the rally, walking down the stage. Homelander says to Stormfront, I think it was a mistake keeping her alive. In um, reference to Annie. Mm-hmm. And he, he has an assistant give him a water bottle. And then the assistant just stands there and Homelander looks at him, just like waves him off of his him, hand. He's like, yeah, what, what the fuck are you still doing here? Get out of here. <laughs> um, and then he's saying, you know, I made the mistake once of underestimating her like i twice actually wasn't it it was twice i think he says not that to me not that not that it matters yeah um basically saying we just should kill her get it over with stormfront saying uh hashtag starlight is a traitor is yeah. trending number one on twitter and thousands of tweets are coming out in support of compound v so stormfront knows that starlight is more valuable to their cause alive than dead so they can kind of keep up this traitor dialogue going and make her look bad if they killed her she would be a martyr as well so stormfront is wise to want to keep her alive but yeah. homelander knows homelander Starlight's more of like a like a tangible villain for them to exploit because in re i mean the super villain stuff is kind of not really actually happening you know like kenji's dead um the guy nakib is dead you know, so like it's yeah. the media twisting it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's easier for them no... to just keep talking about it, but Stormlight's like a very tangible, like they have they have Starlight, like they Dirt know what on you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Homelander's talking about how he wants to find Huey Campbell and rip his spine out. 
And then he realizes that Stormfront is kind of zoning out. Attention. Yeah, she's zoning out on this little baby that's playing in the field. She's saying, you know, my daughter was looked exactly like that 80 years ago. But sometimes it feels like yesterday. It's still so weird just hearing her reference like the past is like 80 years ago yeah. when she looks yeah. like she's at most 30. <laughs> to which Homelander says, I have something I want to show you. Yeah, and he flies. We cut to Becca's house playing in the backyard with Ryan and the Legos. He was doing a Lego movie. Oh, was he? No, no, that's that's so funny. No, no, he was. He was building building the set for the. Yeah, yeah. I didn't (laughs) catch that. But I love how you you hear them fly down. It's Mm -hmm. like breaking the sound barrier or whatever. But it's awesome. You just you feel their presence, feel them touch down, and it's Stormfront and Homelander coming to see Ryan. I was on the edge of my seat, man. Anytime Homelander confronts Becca, it's just always like, oh shit, something something is going to happen. Because the last time they saw these two together, Homelander literally pushed Ryan off a fucking roof. So. Yeah. Which he addresses. He literally <laughs> yeah, says, he I think last time I pushed you too hard. Yeah, I'm never literally do that again. He literally pushed, <laughs> literally pushed him too hard, but he apologizes for the last meeting and says, Hey, this is my girlfriend Stormfront. I really want you to meet her. She's very special to me. Yada, yada, yada. And Stormfront knows how to play the freaking game. She's she so is sweet. so manipulative. She says, hey, buddy, I heard you're very special. You have superpowers. And I, maybe I'm just an idiot. I did not even put together that Ryan is the first natural I think we talked about it too on a podcast episode I think you were there for that one too but yeah we did actually we we actually did know that uh he was or at least we assumed but now it's confirmed 100% that he is the first natural born superhero which and you know how important someone like that would be to Stormfront who is trying to make a race of soups Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean looking at if superheroes can just start breeding yeah it's gonna be good for them like, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, natural born superhero. That's like the greatest thing that could literally ever happen to her. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I like how you said, um, like she knows how to play the game. Cause my note for this scene was basically that Stormfront and Homelander show up at Becca's house and passive aggressive chaos ensues. Yep. That's exactly what it is. It's what it is. <laughs> it's so, it's got to be so scary for Becca because there is nothing she can do. It's not her talking to two adults it's her talking to superman and superwoman you know they can do whatever the hell they want as they do later they just fly off with ryan that must be so terrifying as this kid's mother just seeing this and knowing you have no control over the situation homelander says to becca at the end of the scene you know we're gonna be around a lot more often i want us to be a family and that's the last thing becca wants to hear yeah, because what what can she do? It's it's she is in such a horrible situation right now. Mm. I think her and Ashley have the well, her by far, but her and Ashley are in just two pickles that they just do not want to be in right now. Just surrounding themselves with Homelander at all times, yeah. like oh, it's horrible. So the next scene we get is Maeve and Elena, and they're at I guess Maeve's apartment, and Elena is bringing up she's going to stay with her sister for a bit. I guess this is in the wake of her seeing the airplane footage Correct. and Maeve just stood by and Maeve just is tired of it at this point. She flips the table. I didn't get a lot of the dialogue, but it's it was just, Elena, Elena's yeah. right. Elena, Elena said can't take it anymore. And Maeve wants her to stay. Yeah. I go to bed every night thinking about the little, the little girl. girl's last mm-hmm. moments and how horrible it must be. And Maeve says, I do too. Like yeah. she, she knows like she, she, where Elena is now is where she was 
when the event happens. Mm. Like, yeah, she's yeah, she's exactly what you said. She's like over it. She she just wants everything to be normal for the most part because they are trying on working on taking down Vought. But Elena really can't see past what Maeve has done. It seems. Well, she's not it, even. Bl- she admits she's not blaming Maeve at all. But it, it's just like the the fact that it happened. It. it, it she her. does blame herself a little bit though, because Maeve says, "You said over and over again that you want to see the real me. This is the real me." And Elena's like, "I know, and I'm so sorry." Yeah. And but then, other dips. than that, I don't think there's much to take away. She flips the table, and I think that's the end of the scene. I just. I like feel so bad for Maeve. I think I Maeve... She's not a bad person. She Home, she gets Lander. tortured possibly the most out mm-hmm. of like any of the and characters. It's because she's like the closest quote-unquote friend of Homelander. So she's always... A, she's around him more than any of the other seven members. And she just gets abused day in and day out. She's one of the most level-headed people in, in the, the seven. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Her and Starlight, 100%. Well, I guess Starlight really isn't in it anymore, but... Yeah, yeah, 100%. So we have a sweet next scene. It's M.M. and Grace Mallory pulling up to Jonah Vogelbaum's house. And they're saying, oh, sorry, he's not seeing anybody today. Which Grace says, tell him it's Grace Mallory. And the gate opens up and a little smirk on her face. I was like, she's such a badass. Yeah, that name carries some weight. Definitely. Uh, they walk into his mansion and M.M. says, man, like we're fighting for the wrong side. And uh, Jonah comes in on his wheelchair, which I assume is because Homelander fucked him up when he forced him to tell him the truth about. Uh, yeah, I think that's, Becca. that's what I was thinking, too. Um, but he has a really cool line here when M.M. says, like, you know, we're fighting for the wrong team. Jonah comes in and says moral compromise has its privileges. So yeah. he knows he's like a piece of shit working yeah. for Vought. Um, but he's like, hey, fucking got money. <laughs> yeah. And the whole reason Mallory and M.M. are here is to get Vogelbaum to testify in front of Congress against Vaught. He would be the killer witness they need, and they know that. And Mallory, I think the first thing they ask him is about Shady... It's Shade Grove? Sage Grove. Sage Grove. I can't remember that for some reason. <laughs> Sage Grove facility, and Vogelbaum plays dumb. Mallory brings up something she used to blackmail him a while ago and a deal they had and Vogelbaum is still just playing dumb and Mallory finally breaks character and says we don't have to do this anymore we're just a couple of retirees shooting the shit on the back nine like Vought fucked you help us fuck him right back you're you're the missing piece to all this yeah he he literally said you know that was a long time ago Mallory says oh it's still within the uh, statute of limitations and he's like well I guess I'll turn myself in yeah. like he would rather turn himself in than go and testify and he goes on to explain this more he says you know that that person out there that's my daughter you know she quit her practice to come take care of an invalid which I like yeah. the way you said that <laughs> um, and he says some things are more important than the right thing because he's saying, I'm not going to do this and put my family in danger. You of all people like Mallory should know that after what you've lost. So he refuses to testify because he doesn't want to put his family in harm's way. And Mallory's walking out of the house, talking to MM and he's saying, or she's saying he's right. You know, th- th- there's basically no justice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what 
she goes starlight was realizing speaker. earlier mm-hmm. in the episode like I, there is no justice bad guys don't get you know punished and this you will just never, let go this will never end just go back she's trying to tell him you know just go back to your family because he says i'll go back to my family when this is all over and she says it's never going to end get, get out now that's the only thing you can do is just drop it be with your family. I'll put you on a plane to Nicaragua. And nobody will ever see you again. And you can see it with Vogelbaum and Mallory. Both of them have been through it all. And even with Vogelbaum being, I guess, considered retired almost in the mm-hmm. sense, he's still watched by Vought all day. He's still a part of the shit, even though he doesn't want to be. So she's just trying to give MM an out. But it doesn't look like MM is going to be listening to her. Self-martyring bullshit of a special ops soldier. Yep. <laughs> her story is just so like terribly tragic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really think that there's a chance that the whole boy story ends exactly the way that she describes. You know, that no one really wins. Everyone in the end is just kind of fucked up. Fucked, yeah. Yeah. You, she says you just let go, and mm-hmm. it's like a horrible thing to realize. I feel like we're gonna get a like a Watchmen kind of ending to this series, like you said, Kyle, where it's just gonna be no one. It's not Ooh, really gonna no be spoilers, a man. Mm-hmm. Some of us haven't no, seen I mean, Watchmen. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, the way yeah, the Watchmen ending is super open ended. Yeah, it's open ended, and it's it's it can be interpreted how you want, but I think we're gonna get the same kind of ending from the boys. So we're just putting that out there. Good on that. And this scene concludes basically yeah. with. Isn't this when Butcher says he'll take care of it? Yeah. They call him, says he's not going to testify. He won't do it. Butcher's like, I'll take care of it. I would (laughs) trust him so much to actually take care of it, but I would be nervous about the way he's going to take care (laughs) of it. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can't ask questions, (laughs) You get shit done, but it's messy. Butcher will get it done. Uh, This is a good segue into the next scene. He's at a bar when he gets that phone call, Butcher is, and there's a news report going on saying that pro and anti-vault protesters are clashing outside of Congresswoman Newman's house. The next scene takes us to Frenchie and Kimiko on the roof watching over Newman. And Kyle, I'm going to hand over the reins to you because I assume this was your your Frenchie scene that you loved. Yeah, this is definitely my favorite scene of the episode. Um, so we have Frenchie and Kimiko across the street while there's protesting outside of um, Newman's house, like you just said. Uh, some things I do want to mention is that the signs people have, uh, one of them is send her back. And then the other ones are like, you know, the communists like hammer and sickle, which is just very typical of like, um, you know, just I mean, when right wing people talk shit on left wing people, you know, they're going to say, you know, you're a communist, you're a socialist, um, send her back. I mean, I'm assuming Congresswoman Newman is an American. She just, you know, is I don't know Minority, what she is. Like yeah, what I mean, her ethnicity Persian, is. Arab. Indian, I'm not sure, but you know, she doesn't have that white complexion that people just assume you're American. So these assholes have signs that say send her back. Um, but Frenchie's watching her cook with her daughter through the window, and he has just he starts talking really nicely about his past. Um, and basically says that when his dad would go crazy on these, I believe he said he, he was bipolar, um, his mom mm-hmm. would make him cook with her. And learn all learn all the mother sauces <laughs> and, um, when he's talking about it, and, and I just love, 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 love the quote when he says that uh, cooking has this way of giving port in a storm. I knew you were yeah. gonna love that quote because Kyle is himself a pretty, pretty, you know, at home cooker. You know, he loves to make some meals. So I, he <laughs> I'm a loves cooker. food. He loves food, <laughs> and I knew right away this combination of Frenchie and Frenchie talking about food was gonna hit right home. For it's Kyle. just such a sweet moment that like he's just so open about it and you can tell that how much 
those experiences with his mom meant to him. And he's literally watching it play out now in front of him with Newman and her daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he turns the conversation to Kimiko and says, you know, like, did you ever cook with your mama? And she says, you know, she pulls the gun out basically, (laughs) (laughs) or no, I'm sorry. Um, She says, yes. And then he basically another amazing Frenchie quote when he says, um, you know, Irvin Yalom once said that you die twice once when you stop breathing. And again, when somebody utters your name for the last time, I'd like to hear about your family, keep them alive a little bit longer. So I I just just wanted to cut here. I just wanted to cut in and just go slightly off topic and just kind of say, this reminded me if for any one piece fans out there, of the infamous Dr. Hero look last words when he's sitting at Wapples castle. And he's basically saying the same thing. He's like, yeah, man doesn't die when he dies. It's when his name is, or his memory is forgotten. And I was just having those same exact vibes when Frenchie was giving the speech. I, I just- am so fucking hype. You just brought that up because <laughs> for the life of me, I couldn't figure out yeah. what like popular media that I had heard that in. And Dr. I was Hero look, going baby. everywhere on the internet. And the best I came up with was the Macklemore song glorious, but like, I knew <laughs> that's that what I, I was thinking of. Yeah. That's so like, funny. Wow. I'm so glad you just brought that up. No, it was definitely one piece. I immediately was like, this is Dr. Hero look, but I loved hearing it. I, it was a great Frenchie scene. I could listen to Frenchie talk all day. Yeah. Just tell stories. On. It's so relaxing. Just the way he speaks and his mannerisms, mm-hmm. little break. Um, and he, dro- funny. he drops I'm that sorry, line man. and he says, Kimiko, if you ever want to, you can talk to me about your family. I would like to keep them alive a little bit longer. Kenji, your mom. And then she pulls out the gun yeah. and he says, message received. Okay. And <laughs> then she said, not says, she shakes her head. No, no. This means gone. Yeah. Starts teaching him her sign language which is awesome that's i think this is the first time we've seen like frenchie genuinely smile in Mm -hmm. a very long time and it made me so happy seeing him and so happy and kimiko too yeah they both were happy man let's they're in such a good place right now and i love it it. (laughs) i I, I shipped them so hard i I literally got chills watching that because i was just so happy for him i'm glad they're patching everything up and they're on the same page finally and the actress for kimiko oh my god she's beautiful yeah i love her eyebrows (laughs) <laughs> her eyebrows that's, are wonderful that's a kyle thing. <laughs> she's just, they're just so great they just they work so well with the fact that she doesn't speak and just does you know expressions yeah so it's just fucking perfect and I also mean, something funny i want to mention um that's kind of like a you know a niche inside joke with us is that when i was looking that up the the urban yellow quote and like trying to figure out the life of me where i'd heard it again <laughs> um there was an article about paul walker that was like, no Paul Walker is like one of the greatest examples of this in you know modern times of someone that is has died, but like people literally refuse to let him die the second time. Yeah. And I say this as I look at a poster of Paul Walker in my. <laughs> in my <mind. laughs> you wound up with the Paul Walker poster. He nice. just smiles down on me every day. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, I love to hear that. But I, it's so crazy to think about. We got introduced to Kimiko as this person that was basically in a cage, all dirty. Like it was more of a beast than human, and now this, you know, she's pretty woman on the rooftop talking with Frenchie. Looking good, yeah. He's got a nice looking potential boyfriend. Let's go. Dare I say, she found her second win. I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, she's getting there. At this, yeah, we're getting there. Now that's the thing. Do you think are Frenchie and Kimiko? You think it's romantically involved, or are they more like sibling type of love? I think. I think it's. Go I ahead. think after the like, at least the the attempt kiss from Frenchie. I think I know that was not a good move and it was a bad look for Frenchie. But I think after that, we 
finally get the perspective of them not being a brother sister kind of relationship. It's going to be a loving relationship. I think their brother sister relationship right now, but it definitely yeah. has potential to evolve into a more romantic one. Agreed. And I, I'm hoping for it because, mm-hmm. like I said, I ship those two. Yeah. Last episode after the Sage Grove Center incident, when Grace Mallory walks up, Frenchie does have that, you know, speech with Kimiko, and he's basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave you alone mm-hmm. now. So yeah, I think it is definitely more brother sister. But yeah. are we doing Frimiko or are we doing? Uh... Kenshi? Yeah, Kenshi's I like Kenshi. Kenshi's yeah. good. Yeah, Kenshi's good. But it's so close to Kenshin. <laughs> or Kenji. Kenji. I meant to say Kenji. Kenshi <laughs> is also. <laughs> yeah, your and head's on anime. My like, head's on anime. I like that. Keep boys. it there. Nah, it should be on the boys. I can't believe we had a One Piece and a Paul Walker name drop in this episode. This, this, this is a good time. Great. Yeah, this might be my yeah. favorite recording yet. <laughs> we good on that uh Frenchie Kimiko scene? Yeah, I think so. Because next we have a That's money scene way. Uh-huh, with uh-huh, our boy uh-huh, the like Deep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's the Deep A Train, Cassandra, and later on Adonis, who is the head of the church. But Cassandra and the Deep are in a photo booth. They're she has a great time. she has a shark hat on too. Yeah, the like shark the hat, the oversized you're so glasses. Cute. And no, stuff. you're so cute. It's just very cheesy he's making faces with the glasses going (laughs) he's such a dork i love the deep but they're at a party and a train they come out of the photo booth a train walks up with a bowl of fish he says hey man i got this to you as a gift for all the times that i was a jerk for you back in the seven holds it up to his ear he knows my name (laughs) (laughs) and he goes in he hugs him he's like thanks man it means a lot a lot like a lot a lot. And he's like, all right, bro, relax. It's so good. He says, yeah, this is my wife, Cassandra. Um, and then Alistar walks up, right? Yeah. Ali- I called him Adonis. Is his name Adonis Alistair? I think it's Alistair Adonis. Alistair Adonis. Okay, I gotcha. So Alistair moves up and he says, hey, guys, good news. I have a meeting with Stan Edgar. And A Train and Deep both know who he is. They light they're, up. They're surprised. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're very impressed with this guy. I think I, I know that he promised them a seat back in the seven, but I don't think they ever thought it would materialize that quickly. So Agreed. they're very impressed with with what Alistair's been able to accomplish. I mean, he's Alistair saying with everything going on um, with Congress and got- Starlight. Yeah, right now, Vaught needs trusted, proven commodities. A couple points to iron out still, but they should be getting your rooms ready soon. Yeah. yeah. And they is- are trusted within Vaught. They're not trusted as, like, as a viewer, we obviously don't trust them because we know everything they've done. But in Vaught's eyes, they really haven't done anything wrong. Like, people will, ki- like, Homelander will kill people, and Vaught has no problem with that. So, A Train and the Deep being evil and in, in you know, public society is not really the end of the world, end of their career for Vaught. We also find out that this party is for Alistair's birthday, which I didn't know what it was. Oh, it was for, oh okay. Yeah, they said like, hey, happy birthday, happy birthday when he walks up. Gotcha. And then he has another question. He was like, uh, how do you guys feel about Eagle the Archer? <laughs> this is the like, most kind, loving person. One of my best friends was there for me when I was at my lowest point. He's really like a brother to me. He's a toxic personality, and no one in the church should have any contact with him whatsoever. Yeah, a, totally. This, now that you mention it, he did seem pretty toxic. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah, dude, totally. He did seem kind of toxic. This just, scene for me was honestly one of 
besides the like the ending scenes that we'll get to, this was one of my favorite scenes of this episode, just because like it shows that the church of the collective really does have its dark side. Like if you're not with the church, you will be axed. We don't know if he's dead or not, or what he means by he's not, he's gone, but I'm just, he's not dead. Yeah. He's not dead. We know that I think, but, and deep is pretty okay. Just going right along with it, but it's a train who asks, Mm -hmm. well, what did he do? And Alistair says he claimed that the program failed him, but in reality, he failed the program. Cool. Which, he didn't answer the question. He didn't at all. And they <laughs> walk away. I think Alistair leaves the situation. He, he says, says, I Let's think they're going to do the limbo. Yeah, just to get deep out of there. But A-Train stays back and, and kind of it looks like he has a visible moment of doubt. He's having a second where he he's thinking to himself. Okay, what am I in right now? What's going on with this guy? And what is the church that well, I'm aligning myself? I talked with? about it a little bit last episode. Um, I, I do think more and more that the church is going to be this other power that's rising um, and going to be like in conflict with either Vought or you know boys. something else or the boys in general. I mean, it's just this like third superpower that seems like. I mean, that was pretty sociopathic from my, from my point of view. The fact that I think you said his name's Alistair, right? The mm-hmm. head of the church. Like when he's just like talking about getting rid of this person and he's just like, oh, let's go do the limbo. Like that is yeah. just such a sociopath kind of thing to like just go over. But yeah, I'm well, interested to see his character. I agree with you. They're going to be a big player. I just don't know what their agenda is right now. I don't know who they're for or against. We have no idea. But I know this Alistair Adonis is way smarter than he's letting the deep think he is. He's you think the um like having all these superheroes like with Vaught's goal of trying to have all these superheroes, do you think that benefits the church? I feel like it does, right? Like that should somehow because they are recruiters of superheroes so whatever their goal is they could be eventually stealing soups away from Vaught. good business sure model they're yeah they would benefit it could definitely i mean there's obviously very obvious negative effects that could have but i'd feel like for now it it's beneficial for them well, to just let it go through. they're not really stealing soups they're trying to get soups back in yeah. so they're just trying to get That's good traces yeah. i think they wanted the deep and a train to be the poster boys for the church of the collective. While I don't think they're the tra- actively trying to recruit soups, but more just people that famous people to support the church. You know and what I give mean? Give them a reason to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's like cult. Scientology. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And I mean, he got a meeting with Stan Edgar, so he must be pretty important. Yeah, like Stan Edgar is a busy man, runs a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company. Like, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Good on that scene. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we have Huey and Lamplighter trying to sneak into Vault Tower. They're going in through an air vent on the side, and Lamplighter says, Haha, yeah, I used to sneak college girls in here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then he pauses and says, yeah, they were applying, which means they're in high school. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, dude, that doesn't make it better. Yeah. <laughs> and this no is lie. Going- I might maybe shouldn't say this over a recording. This is the funniest joke I think I've ever heard in the boys. <laughs> Every <laughs> time I watch this episode, I cracked the fuck uh, up. I'm with you, Kyle. It was a very fucked up joke, but got it. It was so funny. Honestly. Oh my! It was just so perfectly delivered. Like it's just the, the innocent, content behind it. Yeah, it innocent just, Huey just standing there, just like, dude, you're fucking weird. <laughs> it was so good, and the best part is like that's like really the only part of the scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was just just yep. that little information that <laughs> Lamplighter used to fuck high school girls. It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they were applying. 
<laughs> so the next thing we get um, is Ashley walking into Maeve's room and she's like, ah, come on, like we got to get ready. And then she turns the corner and Maeve is banging this hot stud. And post bang it. Post sort of bang it. Yeah, yeah, she has a cigarette. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're just uh smoking and trying to <laughs> enjoy their post coital talk. And Ashley's <laughs> like, "Dude, where's Elena? What the fuck is this? You're supposed like, to be a lesbian. Like, so what the fuck? she up. basically yeah. crafted. She says we crafted this relationship that America loves, and now like you're with somebody else. Maybe saying, you know, Elena's gone. That's it. It's just smoking ashley's going off ashley's going through the scenario she's like okay okay elena's gonna come back we can spin the story this this and the other thing the cogs are turning and mave just says ashley for once in your life can you just be a fucking human perfect words from mave and the veil is lifted and ashley gets it she says mave i'm so sorry and walks out because ashley has to realize like mave is in the same spot you are like mm. you aren't in control of what's going on you will never have control of what's going on and Homelander's to thank for all this. And I think it clicks for her and she's like, okay, and I really puts up with a lot of shit. I think she's fine with being just this puppet that Vought uses this superhero, but she crossed a line and may finally had to say, you got to walk and out. It was, you can't be talking to me like this. The, those fucking what, five, six words, just be a fucking human being. is just mm. absolutely perfect because she's just making this a marketing scheme and it's just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I loved this uh, scene for Maeve. I mean, she was basically as low as she can get and just fed good up. episode with for Maeve, I would say. Yeah. Real good episode for Maeve. Yeah. But that's really all 100%. that happens in that scene. Moving on, we get more <laughs> Homelander and Stormfront at Becca's mm. and Ryan is showing them it. It's what Ryan does. It's it's what he's passionate about. It's making well light. Oh, yeah. I it's thought well this is kind of cool. I didn't know what it was. Stop motion. Stop yeah. motion Lego reenactments of famous movies. This one is The Blind Side, which I've seen like 20 times. Yeah, so I movie. knew the exact scene it was on. <laughs> Michael, you protect his blind side. It's perfect. <laughs> he said the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> Family guy right there. Yeah. And he's Ryan's doing all the voices, too. Um, mm-hmm. Then it zooms out, and Homelander's face is like, "What the fuck is this? What and is my Storm, son doing?" Stormfront responds with a face to him, like, "Just let, just be cool. Just let him <laughs> show you what he's doing." Homelander doesn't care at all. No, about does it. not. He doesn't fuck. care about the artsy stuff. That's really well done of a video for like a twelve-year-old oh to God, do. Homelander so well doesn't done. care. Tries to shift the conversation. I think Stormfront b- brings up, how do you feel about NBA 2K? You know, PewDiePie. And it goes <laughs> right over references. She's trying to see if he's into, quote unquote, cool things. Yeah. You know, sports. And he's, he's like, what? <laughs> like, what's that? I don't even know. He's just it. not that kind of kid. He's not very receptive to it. <laughs> he has a line where he's like, I've done the blind side, dances with wolves, terms of endearment, all of mom's favorite movies. Every all three of those movies are not kid movies at no. all. They're incredibly slow adult films. <laughs> it's insane. This is like his he's life. Sure, man. He he's loves sure. it though. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's like, oh my, yeah, these movies are great. But while they're on the co- topic of movies, Homelander or Stormfront says, "Have you ever seen one of my movies?" Ryan's never heard of any of the Homelander movies, and they tell him, "Oh yeah, I'm in dozens of them." And you know, there's all these cool things you've been missing out on. My movies. We can go to Vaultland. I think you're ready for sleepovers and baseball games. And they're just telling him all these things that Becca has been keeping from him his entire life. And of course, he's excited. Mm-hmm. But 
Becca is not excited that they're introducing it to him. And Becca sees what's going on and says, Homelander, we need to talk right now and tells him to go outside. Homelander says, great, Stormfront, you stay here and, you know, get to know Ryan a little bit better. I mean, that that scene was ridiculous because he says, can I watch him, mom? Becca says, we'll talk about it. Homelander's like, ah, no, you can watch him now. They're PG. Mm -hmm. Like, you're old enough. And And Stormfront fucking gets in there, too. She's like, yeah, he's old enough. Like, she has a say. She just met him. And well, that's what I'm saying, though. If if Stormfront was just like an adult, then that would be so out of line for her to do that. But she's a superhero that can just walk all over Becca. You know, yeah. it's and just such a terrible you situation. You can see them. It's Homelander and Stormfront trying to phase Becca out as a parent and just inch, make Ryan see only them as the parents because Becca's like defending, as you said, Paul. She's like, no, like, we'll wait till you're older or whatever. And like, sto- like Homelander immediately just like kind of cuts in front of her. It makes her completely invisible to Ryan's eye. So he's just surrounded on both sides by Stormfront and Homelander. So mm-hmm. I think they're just trying to phase Becca out as his parent and make Ryan just full time with them. When Becca says, I need to talk to you, Homelander's like, ah, we're having a great time. We'll talk later. <laughs> like, and Becca's nice. This Becca, is nice. And then Becca goes, no, now. And Homelander's like, uh, you know what? That's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just so funny. They have a pretty good conversation outside, and it's one of the few times where I find myself agreeing with and feeling almost sorry for Homelander. Two episodes in a row now. (laughs) And he made a better point than Becca 100%, because Becca says, I see what you're doing. He needs to be here with his mom. And Homelander says, no, you do not see what I'm doing. He is going, I have the quote here, he's going to be introduced to the outside world eventually. And when he sees it, he's going to panic and that's going to fuck him up. That's what happened with me. And I can see it's going to happen with him. We need to start introducing him to an actual life. And Becca says his actual life is here with his loving mother. And they're just buttonheads. They do not see eye to eye on this issue. I a hundred percent agree with Homelander. It's crazy. hundred percent. And he's trying to, it's it's like weird because he's trying to do the right thing. And I actually agree with what he's doing. The mom is saying, you know, you didn't have a mother. I can be his mother. Like, please let him just stay here. Becca, I think, just wants things to remain the same. She's very happy with the life with this kid, but it's it's a young boy. He's growing up. He needs to see these things. So I, I completely agree with you when you said you agree with Homelander on this. It's mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on, no, I'm on Homelander. I'm just going to chime in and just also say, I agree because as what you said, it's just, she, she's lying to him and that's going to be a big, what I don't understand is he's been sheltered his whole life because Homelander didn't know about him. But now that the cat's out of the bag, I, I don't understand why he still needs to be homeschooled and can only stay doesn't he have to stay within the walls of the I town? I think Becca's mm. just blind and just yeah. in her mind just believes she can keep Ryan as this sane human being, but yeah. nope. <laughs> she's also, she's trying to appeal to like Homelander's emotions. She's kind of like begging him and stuff and it's just like that's she does understand work. She does understand Homelander on an emotional level more so than a lot of people. Like Stillwell was probably the closest to Homelander, but there was a reason why I guess Homelander chose Becca to be, to birth the spawn of his, you know? And you know what? I, I always give Homelander credit because he literally could come down, take Ryan and just leave. He has always accommodated Becca to some extent. He talks mm-hmm. her and treats her as a rational human being. He never tries to just over. Sometimes he can just overpower people and threaten them. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't do that with Becca 
at least this, explicitly, you know. I feel like in the, in it's the next It's not out one. of care for Becca, though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. So, we good there? Yeah. I think we are, yeah. The next scene we get is one of, I think, <laughs> I think it's my favorite Butcher scene so Carl far. Urban it's is possible. so good at playing William Butcher. He's at the, uh, Jonah's house at the gate saying, oh, he's not going to see any more people. He's tired. He had a long day. Butcher's like, ah, oh, I understand that. But tell him he's got one more guest, William Butcher. And he's just gate opens up, smoking that cigarette. Drives right through his front lawn, <laughs> right over the grass. I love right that. Right through the grass. Great. Just butcher from head to toe. And then he gets in the house, and him and Doctor Vogelbaum meet, and he just pushes the chair so slowly to make sure it's <laughs> scraping all the nice wood. It's right when he starts talking, he <laughs> yeah. just cuts him off with moving this chair. He's so such perfect. an asshole, but it's sometimes this it gets under my skin but right here it was so funny i mean hey right off the bat he just completely controls that conversation oh, he's making he's he, making he sure vogelbaum that's what i was gonna say he's trying to make sure vogelbaum knows he's the alpha in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. he sits down and he says what was he like he's like homelander this is like you re- this is the last thing you want to be talking about and butcher's like no this is the like thing. the only thing I want to talk about right now. And Vogelbaum says when Homelander was five or six, he was quite sweet. He would used to cuddle up to me. He loved hearing stories about Davy Crockett, Teddy Roosevelt, et cetera, et cetera. But I had to make him the strongest man in the world. And he didn't even want it. He rejected it. But it was my I did it for myself, not for him. When you're in crazy, when you're a kid and I feel like you're in a, you know, a very safe and maybe not safe, but, you know, you feel protected, you feel safe. And then to have that flip all of a sudden to be I'm sure Homelander was received harsh, harsh training. Yeah, I'm sure Homelander was even abused at times. Well, he like the way he says, like, I went to work on him. Yeah. Like, like I wasn't even for him. He didn't want it. Yeah. It was for me. It's like, holy shit. I can only imagine. So this scene, Butcher, I feel like he is starting to understand that while Homelander's terrible human being now, he is also a victim of Vaught. And he's he I feel like he's also kind of seeing a as much he might not ever admit this, and I'm sure it might not be true, but he sees I, I feel like he should be seeing a little bit of himself in Homelander with the fact that he grew up in like an abusive household almost was forced to Mm -hmm. do these things that he didn't want to do to become someone he didn't want to be. So I'm kind of seeing a a parallel between Dr. Vogelbaum and Butcher's dad a little bit. They're both crippled now, you know, a little (laughs) parallel. Homelander Uh, brings up, he says, excuse me, Butcher brings up Homelander wasn't the one that hit Becca from me all those years. That was all you. Did you even stop to think about the sorry bastards that you're leaving in the dust, how much pain you cause people like me. Vogelbaum says the worst thing. He says at the time, it wasn't even a blip on my radar. And uh, Butcher says, what's your radar telling you now? Yeah, As he yeah. leans in. Mm-hmm. And this is, Dave, I'm going to go back to what you said um, in a sec. But this is pure Butcher. This mm-hmm. is who he is. Threatening, making jo- sure your per- your enemy knows fear. Jonah is saying like, my family will be in trouble. Butcher cuts him off. Your family is already in trouble. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bash your daughter's head in and then I'm going to find your two sons and their wives and their little kids and I'm going to murder your entire family. And Vogelbaum is shook right now yeah. he is like this guy means business and he knows butcher has killed people. Th- this is the most evil thing that's happened in the show 
Yeah. Like with all these soups, this is one of the most evil lines. There's the parallels but to Homelander. He's man. literally Butcher and Homelander. Like he's doing Butcher. Look. Butcher is doing horrible things in the name of taking a Homelander down, but doesn't realize that he is just as bad as Homelander. Yeah, honestly. This it's horrible. Perfect, perfect way to go. Hey, they had to get Vogelbaum on the stand somehow. <laughs> and if that's what it's Vogelbaum is possibly the worst human being in the show yeah he is got to threaten him like that yeah he is no yeah. never spoken to the media before that's uh, that's what it's but no i agree take. because i agree with you in that vogelbaum's dirt because like he just said he was on william butcher wasn't even a blip on his radar like mm-hmm. he, all he was thinking about was himself and his projects but before Vogelbaum can respond to the death threat of his entire family his wife comes in with a pot of tea i think it was his daughter his daughter comes in with a pot of tea. Butcher, butcher just said just he was going to like a switch. He smack. just flips on the charm and says, "Oh, is this for me? I can't tell you the last time I had a cup of char. Char, just <laughs> turning on the charm to this woman. Your doll, giving her like smiles and the looks. And then as he s- takes his first sip of tea, his eyes just narrow and eye up Vogelbaum. He's like, yeah, gets the, I ain't messing around gets here, buddy. Smack the lips so you know mm-hmm. it's serious. Yep, insane." I, he is literally insane. great performance Vogel, by Carl Urban here. Yeah, Vogelbaum has no choice. Basically, no. I just like how Vogelbaum, when he's tr- responding basically to the threat, and he looks at him and he says, "How can you be so?" And then he gets cut off, and it's mm-hmm. like you just told Butcher that you were so whatever you were going to say in the past. So yep. how can you be shocked that someone is? also you know thinking the same way you did basically butcher's like inhuman at this point he just said how he's going to go in there bash your daughter's brains out that same daughter comes in he's like oh you're a doll thanks like all this other shit she is the fact that becca didn't choose to leave with him is really resonating with him right now is what i feel like that's like his drive right now is that like he really wants becca and he like he knows he's not gonna she's not gonna just come with him now so he's just fighting all these emotions and it's really coming out in these kinds of scenes your whole doing it the wrong way dies today yeah he's falling deeper into the hole that she wants him to not be in yeah but it's all for her though it is don't make it any better we good on that scene Mm -hmm. moving on we we're kind of these are smash cuts of lamplighter and huey and annie in her cell all of it's going on in vault tower the first thing we see is lamplighter and huey well, I guess we don't have that much lamplighter because they're in the conference room. Well, they get in um, and he says, all right, this is the moment of truth. Mm-hmm. Either I scan my hand and I'm still in the system and it lets me in or we're about to be surrounded by guards with AKs. Right. And he was like, what? Before he even says it, he puts his hand in. He goes, all right, boom. We're in. <laughs> yeah, that reaction was really that. funny. He's just like so like upbeat right now. He was like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> we're going to do this. Which is really weird because he goes stands in front of the seven statue he I looks depressed when, like clicks for him though. huey's like dude we're in the conference room like starlight's not here what are you doing and lamplighter says they moved my statue and he, he looks like he's about to cry yeah and they he actually walks. moved it they actually moved the statue we see it in episode one yeah which yeah. is sweet um she he kind of saunters to the middle of the room and says i wanted to do it in front of my statue he was like do what he says, all I wanted to do was make my dad proud and then immediately lights themselves on fire. Um, now that you're kind of talking through the scene, I'm just now reason realizing this was his plan all along. 
He yeah. wanted to kill himself yeah. in front of his statue as a reason to quote make his dad proud, which would be to end his life. Which I just I, now put that together. I was watching this with my roommate, and I looked over to him twice before this scene and was like, "Lamplighter is going to be a very powerful ally <laughs> for the boys. I think he's going to be a major. Like he's going to be so helpful. We were I all thought, probably on that. I page. thought his power could be something that could." incineration is a very strong thing mm -hmm. i thought mustang was able to yeah. kill greed like incineration is very alchemist. powerful i thought he could do damage against the durable soups like mm -hmm. stormfront or even homelander maybe not black noir because we know black noir can survive an explosion but true yeah, true anyway. <laughs> but it was all for naught and now he just killed himself and i had the exact same reaction as huey huey just says fuck you man what the hell yeah i agree man it was just what are you doing like <laughs> i get i i don't know when, but, when he immediately sets himself on fire <laughs> huey goes into typical panic mode where he's like oh oh my god oh my god oh my god i actually thought he was doing a flame on kind of thing like the human torch so i was like okay we're gonna see lamplighter start fucking people up and then he starts like crying out and like with screams i'm like yeah he's he's not doing a flame on like the human torch he's actually killing himself <laughs> so, the, the alarms Huey. go off the, go ahead uh nothing what you're saying yeah the alarms go off and because the sprinklers go off all the security systems are like all right flashing lights go to the first floor which in starlight cell she saw that flashing light yeah. and was like all right we're in business <laughs> so bust she, the door open yeah she used the energy from the light to bust herself out of her cell which is i'm just gonna say real quick it's kind of stupid like i mean you had the glow sticks in there earlier why i mean i guess they wouldn't be able to work if there was an emergency but like yeah couldn't you just have more glow sticks where that lamp is supposed to be but mm -hmm. hey i'm not <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we get we go back to Huey, yeah. and he's kind of he's just kneeling over uh, Lamplighter's torched body and saying like he looks all set, upset, and he's annoyed. He's he's frustrated because he knows you just lost their witness. And he says, "You know, fuck you, man." Runs away immediately, runs back, oh, and is like, "I need his hand." <laughs> this is so. I love how the everything Huey does is not smooth whatsoever. Well, it couldn't be. He didn't have a knife or anything. He had to smash a bottle of liquor and cut it off with a with the broken end of a, a glass a bottle. Canter or something like that. That would and be so <laughs> difficult. He was like, do. he was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Finally gets it out. He would have been so hard pressed to do something like this, episode one of season one. And now that he's almost through season two, he's just a seasoned boy. He, he puts he his arm. Shit, I need the hand and just goes right into it without puts, batting an eye. Character, as character growth. development, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> I was also thinking to myself, would a charred hand like that actually work on a no. hand? Yeah, I was total say, total plot hole. When they show Lamplighter burning, his entire upper body, including both hands, are on fire. I made yeah. sure to look at it the second watch through, and then when Huey goes to yeah. cut off the hand, one hand is completely torched. And then the other one, I guess, is it's manageable. Like less, mm -hmm. yeah. But I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know we'll, give that one, Which, we'll give it to him. We'll give it to him. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to so kill the well show everywhere anything, else. But I just was like, scientifically, that doesn't make sense, at least in my mind. Anyway, we have Annie wandering around the facility on her own. She just released herself from the cell, and she gets absolutely yeeted by Black Noir. Out of nowhere. Tackled into the, the conference room, mm -hmm. actually. And he is whooping up on her throws her through pillars she's getting crushed by black noir she sees lamplighter's body and is like freaking out like, yeah what the hell is this 
And eventually it gets to the point where Noir is on top of her, choking her out. She's not going to make it. He he handles her. Fakes the black for a quick, sec- black. quick second. And then we get Maeve. Queen Maeve beast. coming to the rescue. She's fine. I think this is like her. This is the moment, right? Like she's betrayed Vought. She's mm-hmm. not with the boys, but she's not Vought anymore. She didn't betray Vought. She helped Annie, I would say. Forcing an almond joy into Noir's <laughs> mouth is not betraying Vought, <laughs> I don't think. She, I, she, I was so hyped. I was like, when Maeve started like he has him in the rear naked choke pulling him off me or annie i was like let's go this fight's gonna be insane let's see it i yeah, want to see what we Maeve can do fight. and then all she does is rip open an almond joy rapper Stuff like she's pulling a ring off of a grenade with her mouth yeah. and then shoves it in his in noir's uh mouth and he just immediately crumbles i like the reference you had there like a grenade because it was it really yeah. was she's like yeah. literally struggling rips it open with her mouth is awesome he, annie's like was that an almond joy he has a tree nut allergy just a tree <laughs> nut allergy yeah black noir tree nut allergy kyle you want to mention the uh the fun fact you had, i think it was you who texted in our chat about um yeah so nate mitchell is the actor who plays black noir and he has a tree nut allergy so that's the inspiration behind that being black noir's weakness it's just so fucking typical of black noir like every single scene with black noir that's more than just him just standing there like anything anytime we get information about him it's just done in the most ridiculous way possible Mm -hmm. yeah I I watched a little interview that Nate Mitchell did talking about Black Noir, and he talks about his duality, how he is this super confident, super smooth assassin. And then at the same time, he'll be in like a vault party and like he doesn't know what to do. He's just standing in the middle middle of the room. He's a little socially awkward. He he has a drink with a straw and puts a straw to his mouth, but doesn't go through the mask or anything like he's just a crazy, interesting character. And he's so well made. Yeah, and I, I said this earlier before the recording, but I love his character design. I think Black Noir just looks super badass. And the fact that it's a peanut allergy that doesn't mean I think it's just so perfect because all, all these things we've seen of Black Noir is him being invincible. Like he literally is invincible, survives explosions, fucking takes the heads of terrorists off, and then he has a peanut allergy. So, <laughs> how do you think? This happens. Well, he was also reaching for his EpiPen, trying to do it, and Queen Maeve kicks it away, and then he kind of passes out. can't breathe. Mm. He, well, obviously, I don't think he's dead dead. I don't think he's no. dead. So, no. because he, like, survived a nuclear bomb from... Uh, I mean, if there were... I would say if the show were going to do a death of a character, like, in some ridiculous way, Black Noir dying from peanut... But I don't, I don't agree. There's no way no, no, I, I'm, off Noir. I'm, totally, I'm not even going to explore that. Do you it think would, yeah, that just, would be horrible? Do you think he's just there, like laying on the floor until like hours go by and his body just like someone might just walk in i I think mave knows that the tree nut thing is just his achilles heel it can knock him out of commission for as long as they need to escape you know he'll be fine now yeah uh annie says to mave you know come with me she shakes her head no and then annie just runs off is queen mave gonna die (laughs) i hope not she might though who knows there's two uh, things I do want to talk about with this scene. Um, so when Lamplighter is walking into the room and giving the whole speech about, you know, all I want to do is make my dad proud. I just really like like the camera work where it's like right in front of him, but like the camera is like shaking a little bit. And that definitely adds to the whole tension. I had no fucking idea that he was about to light himself on fire, yeah. but it definitely made me feel uneasy. Like what the fuck's going on? And then the like 
the music that's happening while Starlight and Black Noir are fighting and everything's yeah. going on and it's all intense. And then like the silence that's just like the only sound is Noir like kind of scrambling on the ground trying to find his EpiPen, which is like I, I really like the contrast and it really just like the scene was it just the like well, how I said that it was ridiculous how you find out that he's has a tree nut allergy. It just really added to that absurdness of the situation, how it's just silence. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I watched that scene, how it perfectly cuts to black, the music stops, and you think like, okay, Annie got captured again. Even She was just captured 10 minutes ago, and here she is getting captured again. But then music picks right back up after that like couple-second pause and gets right back into it. I really enjoyed that as well. I'm good. I want a Maeve fight. I want to see I her know. fight at 100%. Well, her and Elena fought. Oh, you mean physical. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Get out of my game. Uh, so the next scene, we have Becca putting in uh, brave Mave vegetarian I think lasagna. Before that, I think before that we get the the reunion. Oh uh, shit! You're yeah, right. You're so right. I completely skipped that. It's Huey releases using Lamplighter's hand. He gets Mrs. January out of her cell. She was screaming. I want to note that the the rain or the water from the sprinkler system has. Re- I'm guessing just reopened his wound, so he's kind of struggling to get mm. places. He's just limping. Yeah, I just yeah. That. that was a cool detail. He was struggling. Blood think, was coming through the yeah, shirt. The wetness of it would, yeah, I think, make it reopen. But he releases Mrs. January, expecting it to be Starlight. But of course, he's not going to leave her there. He says, "Come on, we got to go." <laughs> she said, "Are you the sweaty boy from Believe? Is that a human hand? Yes, it is. We have to go." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we just smooths it over and they're running around the facility, not knowing where Annie is, but Annie let herself out and they coincidentally run right into each other. And I love this moment because they are just so happy, not only to be saved, but to be saved by each other. How I felt during the Frenchie Kimmy go scene is how I felt maybe even more during this scene when you just see like Annie is just so relieved that someone came to her rescue and not only was it just someone it was huey the was huey. Yeah. she says what are you doing here he's, he's like, like nothing of course yeah of course i'm not, here, I'm not here for anything <laughs> his little shrug and smile he's all bashful dude this scene made me so happy because now we're shipping stewie baby we're stewie sh- yeah we're shipping them <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> starlight and one. huey stewie yep. do gotta it. do it <laughs> all right paul now we can go to the next yeah scene. sorry now becca's got the uh, brave Maeve vegetarian lasagna going in the mm-hmm. oven. She goes outside in the back door to get Ryan. And then we see that Homelander and Stormfront have told Ryan everything. They flew him up in the sky, showed him that the whole neighborhood was fake, that she's been, uh, Becca's been lying to him from the beginning. And he does the classic, uh, like, you've been lying. Don't touch me. I hate you. I hate you, mom. Yeah. I hate You're you, a liar. Yeah. 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 So he jumps into Homelander's arms and Becca's yelling like, you need your mother. You need your mother. And Stormfront says, don't worry. He'll still have his mother with a little smirk. And then they fly off. Yeah, that's awful for Becca. She must be so terrified and there's nothing she can do. She's literally standing in the backyard, like jumping, reaching her arms up, like come back. Like, no, that goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago just how there's no if they wanted to take ryan they can and that's literally what they just did <laughs> and i just thought of this but who do you think beck is gonna ask to help get ryan back butcher it's gotta be it's butcher. gotta be yeah, butcher. Yeah. she's gonna come the falling else. back to the boys we gotta get, get my little next episode is gonna be 
hell of an episode. It's going to be a doozy. I'm so excited. We're Let's get through this episode. Yeah, Ryan is a great actor. That little kid is really good. Dude, I always wonder, oh, yeah. whenever I see little kids acting, I'm just like, how do you teach a boy to act that well? He's so no good. <laughs> um, and just a funny little thing. I mean, this speaks to Ashley and Vaught's just, you know, corporatism and commercialization of literally anything possible so there she has like we said that the brave mave vegetarian pride lasagna uh they also uh, there's a line of brave mave uh food products we have instant mashed potatoes we have instant coffee and we have brave mave ready to eat chocolate chip cookie dough Love nice so Love they spared no expenses they wasted no time getting that shit out there is there anything vaught doesn't own like they own all like entertainment it seems like all food industry like what the hell man mm-hmm. how does who allows this to happen it's funny that that this show airs on amazon because that's literally fucking amazon mm-hmm. uh, you, i think True. you think that was a uh, no it's definitely way not definitely not connected <laughs> oh it's 100 percent a shot at that are you kidding me Amazon, Apple, the amount of clout corporate corporations have within the government and like the country of the United States. That's a direct comment on that. Yeah. So now we, uh, we switch back to Grace Mallory's house. Right. And the boys are in there. MM is ripping into Huey. Like, are you fucking kidding me, kid? All you had to do was watch porn with him. And you fucking ran into the vault tower and got him killed. He was like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was going to kill himself. And Starlight has a nice moment where while Huey's getting reamed out, looks at him and says, you know, thank you for coming to save me. Which she's, I was like, she's nice. the only one that understands why he went. Everyone mm-hmm. else is like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? She's like, yeah, thanks. We got uh, Grace on the phone with Butcher explaining that their star witness just killed himself. But she's like, Butcher's don't, already on don't worry. Yeah, I sorted it out. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck do you mean? I sorted it out. Um, and we get another conversation with his mother correct yeah right yeah he goes to meet her at a coffee shop the mom says your father's at the airport and they just start talking about it she wishes it went better she didn't know it was going to go so horribly and the mom says i didn't do it for him i i did it for you i know he's a con i just thought that when you saw how weak and feeble he is now that it it could finally help you let go of that whole daddy issues basically so he wouldn't have a hold on you and you wouldn't turn out like lenny and i think good on the mom for forcing him to get that closure i I think it was good like you think the mom's an asshole for doing it and then when she explains it Mm -hmm. you're like you know that does make sense and it's like we said i I commented on it earlier you can say you never want to see your dad again this that and the other thing but then when he finally dies when, when the have... mom told him that he died, he had those emotions. You know, you you can't fake it. So it's it's good on the mom for forcing him to see him. The mom says he only has a couple months left, maybe. And Butcher says, tell me when it happens. I'll piss on this coffin. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because in the comics, he actually does take a piss on really? his father's coffin. Does he? Yeah. That's yeah, so it's funny. in this volume of the comic, like this exact one. <laughs> and at the very end, it's nice. him pissing on his father's grave. That's... So he gets what he wants. Crazy. I um I just really like how they give us this great butcher character development with something that's not Becca. As I never thought we were gonna get this whole different yeah. aspect of who he is, why he is. I thought that the whole, you know, motivations and emotions and everything behind Butcher would just be purely Becca for the whole entire story. But now they're adding this other layer uh <laughs> to Butcher and it's just it's really, really nice. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Love seeing because it all not that Butcher's a bad character, but he did seem like he only had that one side of him, whereas now we kind of get a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, we have a tragic past with his brother. His dad was an abusive alcoholic. I mean, obviously, these things are terrible and tragic, but just adding more depth to the character itself is never really a bad thing in my eyes. Yeah. We good on the butcher scene. <sighs> also, are, um, when you said um, they're in some coffee house, Jitterbean, Jitterbean is the most popular coffee house or coffee brand in the world in the boys universe. So, but I think really? it's actually, it's, I think I was reading the same general trivia. I think it's a real place though. It's just, it has a different logo. Like Jitterbean's like an actual coffee shop. They just, they, they made the logo in the boys look more like Starbucks just to make it look more mm. cultural, I guess. Uh, one of my biggest complaints about this episode, not even complaints, it's just um, comments, is there wasn't enough deep. But when we do get the deep, we, he has fucking golden one-liners like usual. Hell yeah. Brings us to this next scene. Uh, the, him and A-Train are in a bar and they're watching the TV. And it's Eagle Archer. And it's a news interview going on with him and he's saying they all i told him was that i wouldn't cut my mom out of my life and now they're spreading all this shit around and the news goes on to say uh one of those things that was released included a home video where his partner dressed up as a deer and he dressed as an eagle mounted and killed and or just rode it just yeah, didn't kill, yeah. But just rode her around it's like, just like what the fuck eagle the, yeah. the boys' creators have some twisted minds to think of these sick sexual fantasies. <laughs> I'm sure they would. But they all tie. They thing. all psychologically tie into the characters, which is funny. But uh, well, and sometimes it goes to Carol, and Carol is saying uh, Eagle Archer has been spreading rumors and just basically telling lies in a desperate attempt to stay relevant. And I mean, that's kind of what the whole Church of the Collective is. It's getting these people to stay relevant, these mm -hmm. washed-up heroes. So it's just kind of hypocritical. The team looks at the... I th I'm pretty sure it's during the Carol party. He just goes, fuck him. Yeah, he goes, yeah, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> and then A-Train is like, wasn't that like your friend? Like A-Train is continuing this, you know, like what the fuck is going on mentality with the Church of the Collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Deep's like, you know what? Like, let's just turn this off. Hey, the trial's about to start. Can we switch the channel? And this is when everybody settles in. Everybody around the world is sitting down in front of their TV watching this trial about to happen. It's finally going to happen, man. Everybody in the boys in the Haitian Kings hideout, they're all like on the couch, yeah, including Starlight's mom. Don is there. Yeah, we see Homelander, Stormfront, Queen Maeve all next to each other. Um, not at the stand, but they're up front. Uh, Homelander has an interaction with Ashley where he's like, Starlight. She's off the grid. We'll fucking find her. Ashley goes, okay. <laughs> where the fuck? That was back to the last, I think it was last episode yeah. where she's going, harassing yeah. all the assistants. Like, where's Starlight? Yeah. Still no, no sign of her. So as the trial is getting started, it is Congresswoman Newman standing behind the bench who introduces their surprise killer witness, former CSO of Vought. Dr. Jonah Vogelbaum. Everyone's quiet. Gash. Everyone's huge surprised. Gash. Not murmurs, quiet. Yeah, murmuring. Murmurs going around, and we get a nice shot of Homelander, who turns around to see Vogelbaum rolling up in his wheelchair, and he looks afraid. He looks nervous. He looks uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, he like takes. When, he swallows his spit too. Like that's when you know he's definitely nervous. When yeah. they first say his name, everybody turns around to look at the door. 
open and him walk through and Homelander stiff as a statue looking straight and just his can't eyes believe kind of, what his he eyes just kind of wide and he's there. Yeah, he's yeah. just looking forward. And gotcha, cunt. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that they 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 fucking took a second to show uh Starlight's mom's face when he says it. It's just really funny. Yeah. She's like, yeah. yeah, that's I was I pointed that out too, because it's just two conflicting words. Butcher, who's just a l- loose cannon, swears every sentence to Mrs. January, who's just a like just church goody two Yeah. Um so Vogelbaum goes up there and the guy leading the entire the congregation was it the judge i i was yes, he a judge he was judge. like in a suit I'm, I'm i i was didn't want to like call him yeah he his name was richardson we get not that, that it matters the, yeah not that it matters. you swear <laughs> that the testimony will be the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth <laughs> i do you all right you have five minutes to make your opening statement kaboom kaboom <laughs> well, yeah. i was like what every time someone's head blows up and I, like I'm watching it for the first time, I jump. Like it's just it terrifies yeah. me. I don't see it coming ever. I was expecting something to happen, but not this early on, and not to have the judge's head blow up, and then have followed up with Doctor Vogelbaum's head blowing up. Like wow, it, it, his head blow up, blood all over Congresswoman Newman. Everybody's silent because they don't believe what they just saw. And then all of a sudden, Vogelbaum's head blows up, and they're like, and then all the right, panic shit. starts to happen. This is bad. Um, when Vogelbaum's head blows up, it cuts to uh, the boys, and Starlight's mom like covers her Annie's eyes real quick. Like, <laughs> I didn't don't even don't see watch. That. I didn't even notice that. It's funny. It's like she's seen some she's shit. She's a superhero. Yeah, she's seen some shit. And like Homelander, like, kind of like when the judge's head goes, Homelander is like, has a like tick. He kind of is just like, huh? Like, what? And then. That's when Dr. Obama's head goes. But yeah, and everyone's then, heads are blowing up left and right. Like popcorn in a microwave. Yeah. Just pop, pop, pop. Literally everyone and all the viewers are just sitting there by their TVs freaking out. We Yeah, we saw the boy's reaction. We get a little bit of the deep who starts touching his own head a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah. The exact same reaction Huey had when Rainer's head blew up. Huey was touching his head. One of the most notable casualties we get oh, is yeah. Shockwave. That was another one. Is there, yeah. which is surprising because... It's not like he was there to testify against Vaught. He had always he was just there. He had always been a side character to some extent, and he was kind of building up his place in the world. Like A Train was out, Shockwave was the new fastest man in the world. He was gearing up to be one of the seven and have like a big role in this show until his head blows up and now yeah, he's not coming up. He's not going to be a character anymore. Which opens the door for Vaught to reach back out to A Train to bring him back on as the fastest man. Yeah, exactly. If they had Shockwave lined if, up. If, so he that can, works if he can get healthy too. But we'll uh, I watched this a couple times. Shockwave and Vogelbaum were those the only two noteworthy characters. The only ones that, that really mattered. Maybe you could say uh, Diana or whatever her name is. That was Ashley's assistant. Newman's right. assistant. Yeah. By far the two most notable were definitely Shockwave and Vogelbaum. Congresswoman Newman, Newman gets pulled up out of her chair by Grace Mallory, who's trying to get her out of there. She turns around and sees her assistant, Lisa, running towards her, and Lisa's head explodes. Newman sits down in a chair and is like, oh, my God, what did I just see? Uh, Mallory gets her up and gets her out of there. So yeah, Don't be sitting here where yeah. everyone's heads are popping. You got to get the fuck out of here. So she's still alive, which I... At the start of the scene, I was like, she's dead. Like, if, if everybody's heads are popping. Yeah, I thought everyone in that room was going to be dead except Homelander and Stormfront. And we were we were talking about this uh, before the pod, but I think we should also discuss it a little bit now. My One of my questions is, do we think that was Cindy? 
we kind of talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to bring She's it on. She's the, the only soup that we've seen with this power or a comparable power. Whenever we saw Cindy use her thing, she exploded an entire body, not just the head. But it seems like the same power that's going on. If you think I, about it too, like when she escapes, when the when she lets out all those prisoners, when she crushes the door, the doors kind of crush in the same way. These people's heads are like yeah. they kind of implode almost. Like they're kind of like. I, I just have a hard time. What would her and how would she get here? I, I don't understand why she would do that because she hates Stormfront and all of Vought for basically torturing her in Sage Grove. And the last thing we saw, she was hitchhiking. Like in the middle of nowhere, she's got her own agenda that she's dealing with right now. It would make sense for her to have been the one to kill Rainer because she was still under Vought's control. So maybe she was forced by Stormfront to kill Rainer. But like you said, she's free now. So I'm not sure why she would still be doing Vought's bidding. I hope we get an explanation. I'm sure we will get it in the season finale, the explanation of it all. But yeah, in my mind, as of right now, it's cindy's power that we saw across the heads but we don't know if it's actually her or something similar where my head's at right now is <laughs> i do not think <laughs> oh that's funny yeah <laughs> what i'm thinking right now is that it is not cindy but i agree that's just me that's terrifying that there are multiple people, people. with this power rolling around yeah but. it i have a couple theories i mean cindy could be don't believe it is it could be the tracker chips that they just took out a starlight. Okay, that have it like could a bomb be, in them. But that means they're already there, predetermined. And it's 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 so also, that means they have to have planned this ahead of time. It's also there were a bunch of people in that courtroom that like weren't Vought employees. They were yeah. just like randos who like the guy Richardson. The, Richardson, exactly. I don't think he would have a Vault thing. There mm -hmm. were also bystanders that were just in the audience. So yeah. so I did have a like a a far fetched theory that um could be Stormfront, possibly. Um, we saw that Homelander can, you know, control his powers and abilities. So maybe she can control it in a different way where it's not exactly full-fledged lightning, but like a Stream. smaller, invisible, electromagnetic pulse or something I like that. I hope that's not a thing. I hope they don't <laughs> give that to Stormfront. We're all about theories here, she, though, on the podcast. She doesn't yeah. look incredibly surprised and everything going on, but, I mean, she yeah, probably was, knew what was going on. That was another thing we were kind of talking about, too, is that of all the people in the room, Stormfront was the only one who wasn't, who didn't have a look of total confusion on her face. Like, you see Homeland, like, they clearly show Homelander, who's, like, looking around, kind of piecing together what's going on, and then Stormfront's kind of there, literally just chilling, just, like, watching their heads just pop off without any expressions. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I just want to shout out Grace Mallory <laughs> for getting my girl, Congresswoman Newman, out of the room. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, my sphincter was tight as hell. <laughs> I thought she was a goner. cactus needle up there. That's no. Funny. Oh, my God. I was like on the edge of my seat, like, get out, 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 get out. And then Mallory so grabs her and I was like, yes. That's so the reason I think it might be Cindy is because she didn't take out people like Newman. She specifically took out Vogelbaum and she Cindy could have an agenda against Vogelbaum because he was the, the one founder. that put her in the Sage Grove place. Yeah. Also, something about how Grace got Congresswoman Newman out of there means that because she got out of there, maybe she wasn't in the line of sight for whoever was actually triggering it. So 
it's, it's not lot. like an almighty power like there are limitations so much for us to like just assume because we literally have no idea yeah the, the possibilities next the week possibilities right now are season. almost endless yeah i cannot wait till season three for this reveal <sighs> they better uh, give it to us on yeah. friday i mean I, the, I want the i wanted this friday to get this reveal yeah, on what's the, going on the episode ends with Butcher. the boys in the haitian <laughs> king's hideout looking at the screen saying like what do we do now butcher just stares down and it's like slowly pans up with just a look of pure hatred and evil. Yep. I can only imagine what he's going to do. I love the black sweater look for Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> he looks fucking awesome in that black sweater. Yeah, it adds to the adds to the menacing it vibe that he has. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the trench coat, but the black sweater is nice. Something, yes. All right, but- Dave, should we... Uh- yeah, did you want to spry one of the No, I was just going to say that's the episode. I think it's another 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. <laughs> this show is just so good. Season finale, my expectation. I don't even know what's. I know it's going to be great. I just have no idea what is going to take place in this episode. Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. Got uh, on the BKM? Yeah, hit yeah, us with All it. right, we can start the BKM. So, <laughs> as we were kind of talking about the pornos, though, my mind wanted to kind of change it to a non person kind of one. So, we can kind of. We'll, we'll, I'll list them out right now. So, we'll do a Bank Hill Mary. But with the pornos that um, oh. Lamplighter was listing off, I'll only choose three of them. But you get to, you have to watch one. You get one for one night. You get one. The rest of you get to buy one for the rest of your life, and you get to trash one. It's like, going to be between, you get to star in one. No, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> star. <laughs> but you get to keep one, watch one for one night, and then get rid of the other ones. We'll do uh, translucent, the invisible cock. Big Black Noir and Queeve Ma- Queen Maeve Pleasure Slave. You get to keep one. Queef throw Maeve one away. Pleasure Queef, Slave. <laughs> Queen, Queen Maeve. Uh, I'll go first. I am 100% keeping Queen Maeve Pleasure Slave. I think we're all on that same <laughs> Um, I'd probably watch Big Black Noir once just to see what is going on because any information about Noir, yeah, noir is a big, yeah. big plus. Yeah. Um, and then translucent invisible cock there's nothing to watch i was literally gonna say like maybe that would be the reason why i watch it one night is just to see like how they is it literally just a girl just pretending to get fucked the whole time it's just a bed that's moving and a lot of sounds yeah that's literally (laughs) all it is but i will watch the home banger one forever and ever and ever just because (laughs) i love the name home banger so much so i'll keep that one around i will give the one-time viewing to queen Maeve, pleasure slave and then although i do kind of want to see what's going on with noir too so yeah that'll be my one time big big black noir will be my one-time viewing and yeah i'll throw out translucent that's yeah there's nothing to watch there come on kyle you got one that's any different Um, so i'm going to i'll keep uh queen mave pleasure slave and i'm definitely going to watch uh translucent the invisible cock because <laughs> there's definitely the argument that the male is the worst part of porn so if we're eliminating <laughs> okay. that wow i'm okay with that so you changing your answer oh Tom? yeah i'm changing my answer i was just <laughs> thinking about it that would be something cool to watch it an invisible yeah. dude do that? Okay, I'm changing it. That's my one time. No, I almost want to keep it now. No, that's my one time viewing. <laughs> yeah, that's I gotta see that. Viewing. All right, I'm gonna I switch. Strong argument. Uh, I'm gonna sure. keep. I'm gonna keep Maves, and it's always. I feel like it's tough being the fourth because you hear all the perspectives a little bit. So uh-huh. I'm definitely keeping Queen Mave, Pleasure Slave. I will ditch. 
you guys, Kyle, you brought up a very <laughs> logical reasoning. So I'm going to trash Big Black Noir and I'll keep the uh, the translucent, the invisible cock, or I'll watch the one time <laughs> translucent, yeah. the invisible cock. No zooming to the butthole, male butthole, right when you're about to finish with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we can avoid that as much as possible, I'm in. Awesome. All right, all right, all right. That is all she wrote. Amazing episode. Definitely one of our favorites. Definitely one of my favorites. Great Frenchie scene. Love that guy. Uh, so we got the finale next week, which is both exciting as hell and depressing as hell. Um, for Bingetown, we're also in the process of covering Netflix's Haunting of Hill House, preparing for the upcoming release of Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bingetown TV and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. And, you know, if you're feeling fancy, maybe toss us a review. That's it. Love you guys. Love you.